Hello, this is Changes. My name is Annie McManus and this is a place where we discuss the biggest changes in people's lives. It is so great to have you here and this week we have a remarkable guest for you. Their name is Sam Smith. You will know Sam Smith probably from their voice which is very unique and has afforded them monumental success in their career in music. Sam has sold over 33 million albums and 227 million singles worldwide. They've won four Grammy Awards, three Brit Awards, a Golden Globe, and an Academy Award. In 2019, Sam came out as non-binary, something which they now talk about from a place of contentment. With pronouns and with gender, I've always felt like I, I wasn't welcome or I wasn't included in conversation and I wasn't fully understood. So so to be fully understood is, is kind of like a vital part of being a human, you know. Your self-worth just grows. Sam is back releasing new music with an album on the way. As I'm speaking, I'm looking at their Instagram and they've announced that their new single, Unholy, featuring Kim Petras, is the number one song in the world. So that just gives you an idea of the level of Sam Smith's success at the moment. I have known Sam for a long time, since about 2012, when I first booked Disclosure to come and play at one of my Animat Presents stages at Bestival. And Sam came down from a bar job in London uh, to sing with Disclosure. It was the first time they had ever sang to a crowd that big. Uh, they were singing Latch, of course, their breakout song. And it's been incredible to watch them evolve as a person and to grow in stature and popularity as a musician since then. I've been lucky enough to interview them loads, but this particular conversation delighted me, just seeing how comfortable Sam is being completely themselves. And we covered everything, really. They talk about their career, their family, identity, heartbreak. It's a beautifully honest discussion, and I am really excited for you to hear it. Enter the podcast, Sam Smith. Sam Smith, you absolute legend. Welcome to Changes. Thank you so much for having me. This is beautiful. It is beautiful. Babe, how are you first and foremost? I haven't seen you or spoken to you in a couple of years. So how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm really, really good. Yeah, I feel very settled. I think for the first time I've ever seen you or spoke to you, I feel very settled. During COVID, I moved out of London and um, it's like an hour outside of London, Buckinghamshire. No way. Yeah, it's lush and I love the countryside. So it's so nice to get some space and be able to just walk and I've got a dog. So I feel like I've got a child in a way. I think I saw the dog in the background. <laughs> yeah, Velma, she's amazing. Velma, stop it. <laughs> she's beautiful. I'm very lucky she's been trained really well as well by me and, yeah. and my friend. So it's it's great. Well, we have mutual friends in the Disclosure Boys. And I know that, that Howard from Disclosure has moved out to the country a long time ago and is like well ensconced into like planting trees. And has he had any influence over you and land? He's been over here a bit. He, I still need to plant my tree at his house. It's been yeah, awful. me too. <laughs> we should go together. <laughs> Howard has a thing that he wants his friends to like choose a tree. It's such a beautiful <laughs> idea. It's just beautiful. He wants all of his friends to plant a tree in his land and it's oh. like so every tree has a story and comes from someone yeah he he is beautiful isn't he he's just a beautiful person such a beautiful soul yeah, yeah. so you're not planting any trees babe not planting any trees i started planting vegetables though wow yeah and i like eat salad from my garden which is crazy 
Oh my God. I mean, I haven't got there yet. I mean, I did grow a potato last year and it was a big moment, but it, the, the whole garden thing is a real revelation. We're so old now. We're getting old. <laughs> You've just turned 30. How is it being in your 30s? Do you know what? It was, I'm, I'm such a drama queen. Like the two years leading up to it, um, I was bracing myself for impact. And then as soon as it happened, I realized that I'm still very young. And I yeah. also realized that when it comes to getting older, I think I'm quite lucky because I've always been surrounded by people who really enjoy getting older. And um, I think life just gets better and better, honestly, from what I can see right now. It's liberating, I guess, to mm. do that, to realise that our bodies, I guess, get older, but our souls stay how they are always. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then the other thing is the idea of the older you get, the more you kind of come full circle to your childhood a lot of the time. Yeah. which you seem to be doing already, moving back to the countryside. Yeah, we're, it's weird, right? Like, we lived in the countryside and then we moved to London when I was 18 and it kind of, my family home disappeared. And I think mm. that, weirdly, I've tried to reclaim it and, and build that type of home for myself again, which is, I feel very lucky and fortunate to be able to do. You know, it's great. Makes total sense. Yeah, bit of healing. <laughs> so tell us about that family home. When you were a kid, like, what are your memories of being a young child... I had a very picturesque childhood. I'm, we moved, when I was about three years old, we moved to this village and it, we lived in a house that was pink. It was a no pink, it was, it was called the pink house, which oh was stunning. God. And it was, um, it was beautiful. It was like, it was a very old house, very uh, small rooms. And, and um, we, we, I just had beautiful memories of being a kid. I used to just go out all the time with, with all the neighbours' kids and we'd just run around the fields and it was, it was insane. It was a beautiful yeah. childhood. And then I, as I got older, I guess my bubble got burst a little bit because the world felt so perfect until I was 11. And then I think like everyone going to secondary school and everything, just you, you start to see things and change and yeah, life happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this podcast is all about change. And so we normally try and ask our guests kind of three foundational questions. And the first one is always, what is the biggest change you went through as a child? Have you had a chance to think about yeah, it? Do you I, know what that would be? Yeah, I was having a think about it. My brain immediately went to like divorce <laughs> and stuff like that. What age were you when they got divorced? I was like 18. But when I was mm. thinking about it, I was like, that's not, it was a change, but it I think so many people go through it, especially yeah. nowadays. So I didn't necessarily feel alone in it. There were so many friends I had that had gone through that. And the divorce, my parents' divorce was very amicable. So I was lucky. But I think my biggest change as a kid was leaving primary school at 10 years old and um, going to secondary school. There was two things that happened. One negative was bullying began when I went to secondary school. And I think I first heard that, you know, being called gay and all this stuff. So it, that was a huge moment for me. But then at the same time, I feel like when all that bullying started, that was when I stepped into music and music became this, mm. this safe space for me at the age of like 11. And I would be listening to music, you know, it was almost like shelter. It became it became a, a peaceful place for me to go when things were hard. And I think that was the start of an amazing relationship. Wow. And what kind of kid were you in school? Were you outgoing? Were you shy? I was, I think deep down I was shy. But, right. But I would... I would uh, attack the situation if I was shy. I would I would fake it, and I would I was I was loud. I was a clown, honestly. I would just try. I just tried to make people laugh as much as I yeah. could. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that's a kind of defense mechanism. It's like, well, I'm going to get out and be loud first before someone else can draw attention to me. Kind of. Yeah. A hundred percent. I always had like that fighter mentality. So if anyone, you know, was being unkind or nasty, I'd kind of give them 10 times more than what I was giving. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get into physical fights? No, n- n- very closely. I was always, I'd, I would dart away from that. <laughs> like it's quite, yeah. I would just run. Um, but there, there was a few times that I had to like, physically stick up for myself but I don't think people don't realize that even to this day when people meet me out about I'm 6'2 like yeah. I'm I'm big I've always been big and I think in school people didn't really mess with me because I was large I, didn't talk with you. <laughs> I was larger yeah. than charge yeah 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 and is it right Sam that you came out when you were 10 yeah well sometimes I see things people think I came out when I was 21 in terms of music but I I don't think right. I was ever in you were always out yeah it was never Coming out was very disappointing. I wanted the dramatics. And, <laughs> you wanted fireworks. Yeah, I wanted, I, wanted my, I wanted the drama. But everyone was just like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, there's always a point though, isn't there, when you come out to yourself? Yes. Like when you realise. So can you remember that point? Yeah, I think that was about, mainly about words and language. Because yeah. I'd always felt... You know, I think I've, I've always felt non-binary. I, it was, you know, yeah. gay was one thing for me, but there was always something else. But I couldn't find the words. And as soon as I found the word gay and, and realised what that was, I was like, 100%, that's me. Yeah. That's me. And that gives you a, a little bit of peace, for sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is nice. But I was very young. I was very young. And it sounds like you had a very free existence, as you say, if you were always out this idea of always being able to express yourself in a very free way at home. Yeah. Is that yeah. would that be right? Oh, 100%. I think I was I my parents were incredible. They let me just be who I was and they celebrated that every turn. Um and I think it was freeing, but there was an issue with that because I was so out at such a young age that I was alone for all that time. You know, I didn't know any gay people. I worked hard as a kid in terms of music and and all these shows I did every year and so I felt quite isolated as a, as a child because I knew who I was but mm. no one else around me was knew, knew that about themselves there's loads of queer people in my school but I, I I was the only one that was out so that was a weird feeling wow yeah it must have felt lonely but equally the amount of kind of um self-awareness did it feel kind of powerful to know who you were at such a young age? I mean, I just know being Irish, there's so much fucking repression from the country yeah. of Ireland. So yeah. many people who aren't even able to admit that they are gay for such a long time yeah. and are fighting it and fighting it. So I guess, I mean, the idea of not having to fight it. Yeah, I think that that, I think that home time with family was the, was de- and time with certain friends that I felt freedom as a kid that was just beautiful. It was yeah. really, really special. And I think that that's uh, acknowledging the times and the history or the, or the geography of where we live, right? It's mm. all down to that. And I was, I was definitely uh, extremely free and lucky in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Where do you come in the chronology of your siblings? I'm the eldest. Are you? Yeah. I never knew that, babe. Yeah, I know I'm the oldest. But to be honest, my, the middle sister, Lily, is, is the oldest. <laughs> well, like, is it in mind in mind yeah yeah okay. she's held us all up for many years she's wonderful right right okay and can you tell me about your mum and dad oh yeah so my dad was a house husband no way yeah so he was at home all day every day fabulous which was wild and my dad is incredibly 
open and sensitive and emotional and 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 really played the motherly role in my life to be honest and then my mum worked but was this and is this force of a woman and was able to be mother and father at many times it was crazy to watch but she was she'd be away all week and then we'd see her in the weekends and stuff but they were just they were so in love and they still are in love even when they broke up that they still parent now to this day in together which is beautiful yeah and I think it takes it takes a strong man to to be a house husband it shouldn't yeah. but it it yeah. does with regards to the kind of cliches and perceptions yeah. of kind of masculinity or all that your dad sounds like a like an amazing guy he's actually an angel man like he he's also worked with people with disabilities for 30 years and really yeah because my uncle terry has got a uh, brain damage and parkinson since he was born and so my dad is just I think he's just incredible with people and he has a nurturer. Yeah. And he's also seen so many different types of people that he's just very grounded in life in all areas. Mm. And he's come, he came from quite a masculine background, I guess, where, where men, you know, the idea of a man staying at home with the woman working within his family network would, would have been extremely rare. So mm. he really stepped up to it. I know he definitely felt isolation at times as well. I remember him talking about always being outside waiting for us outside the school and all the mums would be there. And he, nev- he never got, you know, invited to things or, um, or, or had a community of friends, really. It was just him and us. Wow. It's yeah. very subversive. It's like, it's, yeah. it's brave of him. It's brave. Wow. Yeah. So that must have been, again, a- amateur psychology here. That must have been good for you to see how you know typical traditional gender roles don't have to play out in the way that you see in the yeah. books in the films yes oh huge i think that it was like reversal it's like i grew up upside down in a way yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and then strong women big yes. big part of your life too because i know that you you know when you were starting out in music it was the divas that you gravitated towards right yeah oh my god and still do i think about this all the time because i think it's about lyrics actually more than anything um, right it's people like Mariah, <laughs> Mariah and the Beyonce's and, and Whitney's and stuff. There was this, uh, there's just a strength and a confidence in the lyrics and in the voices that I, that just, it was like an armor for me. It was, it, I, and I think for so many queer people, you know, you hear the music and it helps you get out the front door as a yeah. kid. A hero lies in you, babe. Oh, that was, I sang that at a Haven um holiday camp in France and I sang the whole song with no music. No. And I isn't way. that bad? I was like nine years old and I sang it without music. And that song too. <laughs> I won actually. It was the first thing I ever won. It was beautiful. You couldn't make it up. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Sam Smith, how does singing make you feel? <gasps> oh, I think it depends on the year and the and what and what's right. happening. I think that singing makes me feel uh, open, mm. and can if it makes me feel weirdly connected. It's not something I uh, share a lot. Weirdly, like I I actually I find it the most vulnerable and personal thing to share about me. So to do it in front of people takes a lot of courage for me, weirdly. So when you're on stage in front of an audience and you're singing, how does that make you feel as opposed to you singing Hero in the shower? (laughs) Um, I think 
I think in the shower, I've, I, I think I've always sounded better in the shower. Sometimes I feel like people haven't actually heard my real singing voice because <laughs> when, when I'm actually singing in front of people, there's so much, so much that's going on. Yeah. But I think the magic moments is when the noise uh, disappears and it's just you and you can feel the connection between you and the audience. It's like a healing, like a mass healing. I don't know what it is. I feel like singing with someone and with people mm. is... Uh, it's just so good for you. Mm. It's so healthy for you. Mm. Um, you release so much in those moments. Mm. And how do you feel after a big show? Is it, is it exhausting kind of giving so much of yourself in that way? Um, do you know what? It, it's like flying. It's like you're a superhero, honestly. And wow. But then you walk off the stage and I think every artist will know this, that there's a quick reminder that you're not a superhero in your own mind, you know, just just the natural grounding of being backstage and being around people who maybe aren't as enthusiastic as you or people who didn't do the, you know, the same show that you did. Um, there's just this immediate silence in a dressing room, I think, which which is quite, um, I think if you don't deal with it correctly, it can be quite uh, more right. morbid and depressing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's really interesting you're saying about you don't feel like sometimes that people have heard you sing. How do you get to the point where you're able to give all of yourself? Where are you able to bear your soul on stage? Is it even possible? And have you seen it happen with other singers? Yeah, do you know what? I've realised recently what it is. It's, um, it, it's like having some sort of faith that everything's going to be okay. Right. Like, like there's something for me, like I, with my, my mental health and everything, it's all been about grounding. So when I go on stage now, I kind of imagine there's like a, a cord pulling me to the ground. Right. And if I know that I'm on the ground and I'm safe, then, then I can just share. And, and the only thing I've got to f- focus on is enjoying it. Yeah. And that, that's a lovely feeling when you can just enjoy the motions of it. And a lot of that also comes down to technique, singing technique, because I think a lot of singers, when you stand on stage, your voice and your muscles go like they, they go yeah. tight. And so you have to tight. work against the restraint. Kind you of. have to yeah. cal- stay calm because if your throat is calm and everything is, is, is down and your shoulders are down, then the, the, literally the sound just reverberates in a completely different way. And it's like you, you form a little chamber, an echo chamber in your body. Wow. So the yeah. calmer you are, the better you sing. I suppose it's like anything. It's like sport. It's like skiing. It's like, you yeah. know, if you're not tense, then you're going to, everything's going to flow better. Yeah, it's a muscle, right? But then there's also the added layer of emotion. So you've got mm. to believe what you're saying. Mm. It's like, it's multitasking. Do you ever feel like when you do the same songs, you know, if you're on a big extensive tour and you have a song that's fucking really confessional and really like talking about a wound that exists or a sadness or an experience of sadness, when you sing it night after night, is it not like fucking ripping a plaster off a wound again and again and again? A hundred percent. It's a fuck. it is absolutely exhausting. The last tour I did, the Thrill of It All tour, I had in the lonely hour and the thrill of all, and if you those two albums are, they're not the cheeriest at times. There's a fuckload <laughs> of sad, sad songs. Yeah, world class sad songs. Oh, thank you. Do you know what? I at the end of it, I, I was not myself. I was a bit of a shell of myself because I I had to 
go there every single night. I was also going through a breakup at the time. So I was singing these heartbreak songs whilst going through a breakup mm. in these arenas. And it was it, it was a lot. And I think it it's definitely had an impact on the music I've made ever since, the thrill of it all, because I want to have fun. So there's a video. It's the How Do You Sleep video. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's from the Love Goes album, which came out a couple of years ago now. It's incredibly life-affirming to watch because it looks like it is you in your absolute happy space being all of you giving all of you yeah i'm so happy you brought that up that's i think that was one of the huge transitions for me um in my career i remember doing the dance rehearsals for it uh with paris and um i remember people within the team were uncomfortable a little bit a few people so you're dancing with a a group uh, of dancers it's fully choreographed it's really sensual and sexual what you're doing there's a lot of hip swinging and the choreography is incredible I know it's the way I can explain it is for the first seven years of my career I stuck to certain movements right because I know that the way I move in a femme way which I always have mm. with with my hips and um like when I'm out and about I was just scared to show that, I, I felt like it was dangerous. I felt like I'd be unsafe if I showed that on stage. And I didn't want people to laugh at me. That's what I felt that would happen. And then when I did it in How Do You Sleep, it was the opposite. I, I, I released that and it was like, oh, wow, I can't, I'm allowed to share this side of myself with you now. And I felt like people gave me permission to do that. Mm. And that was huge. That was huge because I'd been stopping myself from doing that for so long. I mean, it's not just a side of yourself, it's you. Yeah. It's yeah, all yeah, of you. Yeah, and yeah. I, it, it, when I was watching it, it felt so kind of full, full circle because I'd remembered you telling me one time in an interview at Radio 1 that you used to walk to school, like you used to go to school fully made up, like yeah. fully make up. So you've always been femme. Yes. I've, I've always been uh, non-binary. I've non-binary, always, yeah. yeah it's something I've, in the middle, just you. Yeah, 100%. I've always felt that way and I've always existed that way and that's why I think it was so hard when I came out of with music for the first time because I was I was experimenting with mass clothing for the first time when I brought out Stay With Me and I think people just thought that I'd always been like that and then yeah. I was breaking through but I hadn't I'd always been how I am now and then that that's kind of trapping in a way isn't it because you were so mentally successful off the back of that first album be, from being like identifying you know in the way you're wearing clothes and stuff as a man yeah so so then it's like scary because like if it's not just like you're worried that people are going to laugh at you you're worried that your career is going to flop oh oh 100 percent. i think that's that is the hardest part of that for me is that, that you know i think we all have imposter syndrome a little right. bit when totally. we when we get successful but for me it was like oh wow if i if i show this side of myself I'm going to lose everything. And then I did show that side of myself. And I've, of course, I haven't lost everything, but everything shifted for me. And How? Um, just in terms of music, I, I definitely feel there was some people that have turned away a little bit here and there. Um, I think purely down to homophobia and transphobia a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hard thing to, to, to take to take on that people are digesting your music in a different way mm. because 
my music's always been queer. Stay With Me was a queer song. In the Lonely Hour was a queer... It was all about being in love with a straight guy. It was, mm. it was, it was completely queer. But I think it's just... It's fascinating how people... How, po- how people's politics sometimes can leak into their love of music, which yeah. is wild and something I've had to learn. But do you know what? There is nothing that beats the freedom I feel in my skin. And that's a really powerful place to be in now because I'm not looking at stats. I'm not looking at reviews or critique. I'm just trying to grow and mm. bloom, I guess. quote um shortly after that video you came out as non-binary i don't know if that's you say you come out you told the world that that's what you are and in your instagram you said you were at no stage just yet able to eloquently speak at length about what it means to be non-binary and you're three years in now you're three years into kind of having a lived experience of not having to conform to a gender Mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask how does it feel now i'm incredible Absolutely incredible. I changed my mind a lot as a person, like in general. And this is one thing that as soon as I started to hear my mum change my pronouns, neutralise my pronouns. Makes me so emotional. It it was amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And you feel seen. There's there's no, I think people think that uh, there's a taking involved. Like we're trying to take something away from someone else in a conversation. But it's there is no there's no there's no taking going on it's it's just about seeing people and and confirming that you are seen you are part of this world honestly mm-hmm. because i think with with pronouns and with gender i've always felt like i i wasn't welcome or i wasn't included in conversation and i wasn't fully understood mm-hmm. so so to be fully understood is is kind of like a vital part of being a human you know your self-worth just mm-hmm. grows is it like a permanent kind of gaslighting i mean before you know when you're having to be put in a certain place and act in a certain way or, or feel like you have to look a certain way it's this idea of never being able to exist in your real self and constantly questioning yourself and doubting yourself for not feeling like comfortable in that certain place yeah I think it's a lot of uh like hating yourself honestly that was just like I was unreasonably hard on myself and I would I I felt like there was an inner dialogue that I that I was ashamed to share so as soon as I shared this thing that I felt trans you know I think the word trans is you can be non-binary and trans it's and some people identify completely separately uh, as just non-binary or just trans I think I'm someone who sees both those words as something that that means something to me because I've 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 just always felt this uh I guess a, a sense of dysphoria since I was a child that yeah that physically people weren't uh, taking me as I am. Mm. I'm so curious about the word gender in general and just how as this movement happens where people are less and less afraid to kind of break out of the the kind of trappings of of gender. Like what will the world look like? It's so exciting. This idea of of people not having to follow these rules. I think it's so exciting and when you said like what the world would look like I think in many 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 years time who knows what it would look like but I think right now for me 
I, I don't think anyone... I'm definitely not trying to destroy gender in, in my views sure. or, what, or my expression. Like right now, what's needed is just to acknowledge that there is that third box, that trans people do exist. And uh, it, it's genuinely a human rights issue at the moment. That's, yeah. that's how I feel. Everyone's life is, is as important as, as the others. And I think that there's just conversations with trans people that just haven't happened. If, if you sit down and just have a calm conversation, um, not even about transness, just get to know someone who's trans and learn the humour that mm. you have in common and, and the stories you have in common. And it's all about us just being friends with each other, I think, and, and learning each other's ways. And Sam, do you feel like ever like a bit of pressure having to be this person that's not just incredibly famous through your music, but also have to speak for these communities uh, who are marginalised and, as you say, suffering from human rights you know atrocities and things like that like it's a lot it, it it is a lot and when i was younger i um i remember feeling this it sounds like a, a spoiled child i was like this isn't fair you know you yeah. go into these interviews and all i want to talk about is music and i i never ever got a chance to just talk about that i always had to talk about my sex life and yeah uh, my body and all this stuff but then in the middle of my 20s i just started to realize the power in that mm. and i started mm. to really get a a, a scope and a, I started to realize how my community looks and realized that outside of these cities that I grew up in and these 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 liberal areas there are kids that are struggling there are children and teenagers that are living in countries where it's illegal um and and where it's punishable by death so the responsibility that I hold, I, I step up to that now because if I can live loudly and that can reach people, then beautiful. But my boundary is that it has to be through art and love. I'm not a politician. I'm not an activist. I'd say my music is is, is activism and yeah. my existence maybe is activism. Definitely. But I find it hard to... I can sing a statement very easily, but speak public speaking is, is difficult for me. So I leave that to the people that are incredible at that and try to, you know, shout their names as much as I can. And I think as well, what you're really good at is being fallible and saying, I'm only human. Yeah. I make mistakes. I don't know everything. I'm learning which is so important because I think people feel a pressure to get things right and they feel scared to speak on things because they're worried they'll get things wrong, especially in this world of cancel culture and getting fucking jumped on on social media and stuff. So it's important to, at someone at your level to go, I'm not always right and yeah. I'm learning. And that's not a nice feeling, right? It's horrible being Oof. wrong. It's the worst horrible. being wrong. Horrible. But the more we get used to it, the more you can deal with that in the middle of a conversation and, and be like, okay, mm. I'm sorry. Let's move on, yeah. you know? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sam, what would you say is the biggest change you've been through in your adult life <laughs> it's, such, it's such a vast question <laughs> i love it here talking no to i you. love it um i'd say my transition right for sure is that what you call it yeah i think i do now that i think there's a constant transition happening mm. but i do think that after how do you sleep um video and after the beginnings of love goes the record that was me breaking out of something and that's taken a good three years to 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 get to a place of peace with that where I feel like I can come out again and and share music and share myself on stage um mm. so I'd say that was the the biggest part and on top of that something probably my first proper relationship that was just huge and yeah and um I think queer people's first relationships are so um intense <laughs> why 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 is that uh just because I think you've I don't know I'm speaking for many people here but for me personally I didn't get to experience those uh small relationships in school right you had your boyfriends and and it was light-hearted and you all made mistakes mm. I didn't get to experience that so when I went into that first relationship yeah. um that was longer than five months, six months. That's when I, w- I felt loved in a way that I'd never felt loved before. I felt touched in a way that I'd never felt touched before. I was sexually opened and, and liberated. And um, and then the heartbreak that comes from that, it's like a morning of, 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 of everything. It's just very dramatic and intense, yeah. but, but heavy learning. Yeah, yeah. How did that change you, that heartbreak? Oh, huge. Just huge. I think I just understood what love was. I didn't really realise that love was a, a giving. I, like, I didn't realise that you had to, like, water someone. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't, I felt like it was, uh, I think I used to be obsessed with the kind of, um, the drama, the, 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 those romances where people blow each other up. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I was obsessed with that. And I thought that's what love was, was two people molding into one. But now I'm realising that it's just two people coexisting and, and being good to each other. Yeah. Kind to each other. Yeah. 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 Has there any, been any other times in your life when your heart has been broken? <laughs> Such a sad fucking question. No, no. <laughs> yeah. With my, I, had a, I lost a friend. To, no way. Not, they didn't die. Um, right. We just stopped talking and I knew them since I was eight and oh, um, that's really I know and it's just really it's a really I, I don't know if you felt it but 
it's a weird one where you still love them, but you just know that even now that we're just not. Sometimes you're meant to say goodbye to certain people. Yeah. And they're not meant to be in your life. Yeah. And and maybe we'll see each other again and stuff, but we just went our separate ways. And that was almost more heartbreaking than the boyfriend, I think. Can I ask when in your life that you went your separate ways? Like 26. Right. Yeah. So you were well into your career at this point. Yeah. I always say to my... Because my sisters have just turned 26, 27. And I think from 26 to 29, some crazy shit happens. Oh, Totally. Like, it, it's weird. It's it's weird, right? It's like you, mm. you're you out of your 20s, but you're you're nervous about what's to come. You're being treated more like an adult. You know, you think about your past a lot. Yeah. And also, I started therapy at 27. So that was just like opening up a closet and just pulling out your clothes. Yeah. And then Oof. going Throwing through them it all one on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> it was um, nuts. Robin was on this podcast and she talked about therapy as being such a huge change one of her big adult changes actually her childhood change was divorce parents divorce but and just how much it helped her is that something that you would cite oh as a healer yeah. for you changed my life changed really my babe life. yeah yeah in, in every way I heard someone say it's an assisted conversation with yourself and wow. and that's what I love when I'm in these tough periods in my head which happen a lot I now have this little toolbox in my brain that I can turn to and when things are feeling weird I just know how to calm myself down I know that when you're kicking yourself the answer is not to kick yourself even more to feel better yeah. you've, you've just positive affirmation is, is is so hard to do and it takes practice yeah. and um, I think I'll be in therapy forever honestly I don't see a time when I wouldn't how are you getting on with, with that first line in Love Me More song, Every Day I'm Trying Not to help my, Hate Myself? How are you doing with that? Oh, great. <laughs> Absolutely great. I mean, it's... it's a, I love it. No, with that song, I think it's it could it could sound negative sometimes, but I think it's a positive. There's Yeah, the, the, the physical act of trying is a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, because self-love and self-acceptance is not a destination. Things are going to happen in your life all the time that are going to throw you off kilter and and it's just it's constantly bringing yourself back and 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 being kind to yourself Mm. sam um just moving forwards we're we're kind of in the middle of album cycles for you how are you feeling in yourself about being an artist for the next decade you know moving forwards in your career honestly i'm in this weird place where i have all this work and this music um I just want people to hear it because when they hear the next single and and the next few songs, I think people are going to really understand what's happened with me musically because I have pushed this to <gasps> to a place of just madness and um, it's about trying to relay that through videos and, and, and artwork now as well because the music is so exciting and, and I went into the danger zone and, 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 I, and I'd set myself free musically and the album is my first cohesive piece of music where you can listen from start to finish and there's uh, interludes, moments where, where it's like a proper journey, I guess. I hate yeah. the word journey. But it's, <laughs> it, it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, and I just can't wait to show it. Love Me More was meant, it's meant to be uh, an ode to the past. Even in the video, it's meant to, um, it's kind of my final opportunity, Love Me More, to kind of give my hand to the people that I may have lost along the way and say, yeah. come with me now. 
Um, yeah. But it's the last opportunity because I'm going where I'm going and, yes! I'm, and, I'm, and I won't stop. <laughs> this is the most exciting moment in an artist's career, in my opinion, is like yeah. when you're like, you know what? I don't care what I should do. I'm going to do what I need to do, what I have to 100%. do for me. 100% and that and that's that's where it is the the music is speaking louder than me than anyone in the room and the music is uh forcing direction which yeah. is incredible Okay last question what change would you still like to make for yourself moving forwards I think the change I want to backpack around the world Love it. Do a George Ezra. Get on a Euro train. Stunning. I mean, it'd be love. I mean, I do that, but in caftans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I want to see the world. That's something that I really want to. I want to see the world. And also, something's exciting me is about the broadness of queer music. I feel like people sometimes see queer music as something that they can't relate to and, and queer music is universal just like all music mm-hmm. and I'm so excited to see the broadening of genres you know when it comes to queer artists I can't wait to hear queer folk music and queer country music mm-hmm. and then queer house music and all this stuff queer heavy I, metal let's go yeah I just think there's so many messages that uh queer artists are saying that that will help everyone Mm. And I, I'm I'm excited to see the change in that and see music connect and hopefully bring people together um, again in a huge way. Listen, I'm so excited about this new album. I'm gassed to hear it uh, whenever it comes. And I'm so grateful to you for today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always the greatest pleasure with you. Thank you. Thanks, babe. Thank you ever so much to Sam Smith for that convo. Please rate, review and subscribe and tell your friends and your family too. Um, anyone who you know is a Sam fan or anyone who you know who's could be inspired and enlightened by what Sam had to talk about, I think, as well, with regards to their sexuality and their evolution in terms of change in identity as well, becoming non-binary. Incredibly courageous, I think. Great to speak to them. We are going to be back next Monday with actress Anne-Marie Duff, who currently stars as Grace in Apple TV's Bad Sisters, alongside Sharon Horgan, Sarah Green, Eva Berthistle and Eve Hewson. I don't know if you are as gripped by Bad Sisters as I am, but it's literally been the highlight of my last month or so. And I look forward every week to the new episode that drops on Friday nights. If you haven't started, get watching it. You will not regret it. So it's Bad Sisters on Apple TV. Anne-Marie Duff is incredible. She's got a huge career, obviously, before even Bad Sisters happened. But I thought it would be good to speak to her now with regards to her own life and some of the themes that Bad Sisters brings us, um, themes of sisterhood, domestic abuse and so much more. So that's Anne-Marie Duff on Changes next week and this episode was produced by Louise Mason through DIN Productions. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.